0: So, A.W. Tozer is a theologian, and about 50 years ago, he said this quote. He said, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. But if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church in Acts, 95% of what they did would stop, and everybody would know the difference. And over these past few weeks, we have been studying the early church and the role of the Holy Spirit in the early church, and how they are hungry, they were expectant to hear from God in different kinds of ways, and and what redemptive community really means. And we've been looking in Acts 2, in 42 through 45, and it covers this idea that community must be committed to each other, must be committed to the word of God. It also covers the idea that community should be captured by the awe of who God is, by the fear of the Lord. We talked about that a little bit a few weeks ago. And so today, I want to end this series in the last several verses of Acts 2, so you can look on the screen and follow along with me. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. And then here's the verses we're going to talk about today. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Did you see that? They had church every day. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so today I want to talk about how when we do these things, when we have commitment, when we uh, capture our awe, when we have um, these things in our life that we try to create community, that that equals growth. That that will equal growth. It says they were added to their number daily, those who were being saved. When the Acts 2 church existed Um, it was really radical for them to show concern for the poor in the city. I think sometimes we read over this quickly. It says, you know, they sold their property and possessions, they gave to anyone who had need. But that was a very radical thought process for a group of people in a city to say, you know what, we are for the poor. We're going to quit trying to get everything that we need all the time, and we're for the poor. And, And we are for the children, We know that they can't give us anything, That sometimes they don't even say thank you, but we are for them, and we are for the women, and we are for the least of the people in the community. They were completely going against the culture by acknowledging the least of them. And so even in that moment of them caring for the people in the community that people were rejecting, they were communicating what Jesus was about. They they were communicating who Jesus was for. And what was happening is the church began to see who God had formed them to be. And when they realized that they were to be an image uh, in replication of who Jesus was, they started to act like him because God formed us to be for others. God formed us to be for others. And our selfishness that makes us want to gather everything we need and do everything we want to do is the opposite. That's the sin nature that's the thing we have to wrestle and fight against all of our days because God formed us to be for others. And the truth is, the early church acted and responded differently than any other group of people because they realized that this was true, that we are made in the image of God and our beings exist to mirror the image of the the creator of the universe. And so, there's lots of scripture, in fact, Most of the Bible is showing us the character of God so that we can learn how to mirror and how to be an image of it. But let me just uh, bring you to three passages this morning that show you the character of God. Uh, The first is in Isaiah 41.10. It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So God is with us. God is fighting for us. God is helping us be strengthened. He is helping us in our weak moments and in our brokenness, uh, upholding us. Hebrews thirteen five says, "Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you." Jesus is with us all the time. He never leaves us. Psalm eighty two three says, "Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed." The character of who Jesus is, the character of God is to defend the weak, is to uphold the cause of the poor. And if we are made in the image of God who is for us and who is with us, then we are created to be for and with others. If we are going to live out what God desired for us, then we are going to be with, for, we're going to be for people and with people. The point of biblical community is to be with people who are for you, and you're for them, and together you're for others. That's the point of biblical community. In fact, I was thinking um, it's like a huddle. So there's a picture here, uh, but biblical community doesn't stand in a huddle with arms joined facing each other biblical community uh, stands with with arms joined Uh, the the huddle is is together they're helping each other but they're faced outward toward a hurting broken poverty stricken world outward so we can be contagious outward so we can be in the image that god created us to be outward focused but linked together do you see that image that it's different than having just your friends that you're excited to be with at church on Sunday morning and you link together like this. That leaves people out, right? But when we're connected and when we're in a huddle, we're with people, we're for people, and we're for others. We're for other people. Philippians uh, 2, 3-4 through 4 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself." Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And it says when they're not looking to the interest of others, the Lord is adding daily the number to those who are being saved. So who are you for? Think in your mind, who are you for? Who are the people that you contend for during the week? And who is for you? Who is for you? Can you think of some people that are for you? Here's some homework for you this week. Call or, or text or send a smoke signal, whatever you want to do. Someone from this family of God and ask them this. How can I be for you this week? How can I be for you this week? Now, be prepared for the answer because they might ask you to do something for them. And then you can't say, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> But how can I be for you? Because sometimes and often we would say, I'm for these people. These are some people in my life I'm for. These are people for me. But we never do anything about it. It's like a good thought in theory. But the scripture says in Acts 2 that what these people did is all the time, like Philippians 2, they didn't look to their own interests, but they looked to the interests of others. They were for other people. Biblical community is that God is with me and for me, so I can be with you and for you. That's what biblical community is. Because God is with me and for me, I can be with you and for you. And in God's strength, I can do that. And in God's image, I can do that. This last week, um, one of the wonderful women in our church had an eye surgery in Pittsburgh. And you can't drive yourself to and from an eye surgery. That's not a good plan. That's free advice, okay? You can... Take that with you. She didn't have any family that could help her out. And the surgery was at like the pre crack of dawn, the crack before the crack, you know, when you just have to be there so early, you might as well not sleep the night before. And uh, George and Amy Brown, longtime servants and lovers of this church and lovers of Jesus, picked her up and drove her to Pittsburgh and waited for her surgery to be completed and brought her home and yeah and when uh when we called to thank them for doing that amy said this well we're family and family does what it takes and family gets up early and family stays late and family moves appointments and makes others priority and she preached my sermon better than i ever will today (laughs) And because George and Amy's attitude, biblical community happened. Biblical community exemplified. Because God has been with them and for them, and they're a testimony of that, they can be with and for other people. God formed us to be for others. And in Acts 2, the people modeled this, and God's power was manifested in the community. Last week, we talked about how the gifts are so important to the community of God, but the gifts only happen if we have what? Just say love. It always usually is the right answer. Love. (laughs) The gifts only happen if we have love. And when we, Jesus or love, you can win probably on either of those in church, But when we stir up love, when we're caring for each other, that's when the gifts come out because it's out of this great deep love for each other. So when we realize God is for us and God is with us so we can be for and with other people, the love stirs up and then the gifts stir up and then we become the Acts 2 church that we have been desperate to be, that we have been asking God to show us and asking God to show us how to do that these last few weeks. So after my message today, in just a a few moments, we're all going to go down to the gym and we're going to see the biblical community, the groups that Erie First has to offer. And groups are a big deal because it gives us a vehicle to be for each other. Groups are a big deal because it gives us a vehicle to be for each other. Our hope is that every one of you would experience biblical community. And not not to be selfish, not so we can fill our groups and have a good statistic of people in groups, but because that's what God designed us to have. That God designed every single person in this faith community that we would not just be with each other, but that we would be for each other and we would be for others. And as I was thinking this week um, you may rationalize, you may say to yourself, you know, okay, I don't need a group, I have enough friends, um, or I have enough on my plate, there's no way I'm gonna be able to squeeze a group in my schedule, or I've tried that before, it's just not my thing, I'm really shy, or or you may have a million excuses that are happening right now clicking through your mind. But I want to challenge your thinking. And here's how I wanna challenge it: to change that dialogue. In your mind, and to filter the thoughts back through Philippians 2, 2 through 3, that says, You don't get to do what you want to. That's the Nicole Schreiber version of that verse. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, the moment you become a believer in Jesus, you become a fountain of life. Whether you feel like it or not, you become a giver. Because giving is part of Christ's nature and Christ's identity. And as we sang that song this morning, uh, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. So if you're a believer in Jesus, then your character, who you are, your nature, is becoming more like Christ. And I know that Jesus Christ is a giver. He is a fountain. And so because of that, if you're a believer in Jesus, that's who you are too. And Jesus says in John 4, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, that's what it means to be a Christian, will never be thirsty again. And the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So you are a spring, you are a fountain. And you know what makes fountains and springs happy and healthy is they make streams. In fact, if fountains are stopped, if they can no longer birth, if they can no longer give, they start to stink, right? They get sedentary. They, they, if, they're, if it's not moving, if the water isn't moving and growing and, and, and spurting out, then it begins to be sedentary and it grows green, gross things on it and smells bad and it's not useful. And I'm not calling you any green, gross things smelling bad and useful. Unuseful. But what I'm saying is, I believe that some of you are not healthy spiritually because you're not giving anywhere. Because you are made to give and you aren't in a vehicle where you can give what God is asking you to give. You're not happy, you're not healthy spiritually because you are not life giving and that's what you're designed to be. So don't invest in a group for you. Invest in a group so you can be self giving. Invest in a group so you can meet somebody who needs a ride to their eye doctor appointment. Invest in a group so that you can be a believer in Jesus and you can be designed, you can do what God has designed you to do. Not so you can get, but plug in because you have a calling to give. And we need you. We need you to be for others. And you need someone to be for you. And as you are for others and they're for you and we're for other people, God says, the community will grow. God says not only will we grow inside, but we'll grow externally too. That's what the scripture says. The fountain inside of you, the living water, needs to make streams or you will become spiritually shriveled up. That's what the scripture says. Now, you may have heard the word uh, before koinonia. Have you heard the word koinonia? Shake your head at me if you have. All right. It's actually uh, in our community... It's used to describe this really amazing uh, Christian retreat. It might be nationwide. I, actually, I'm actually not sure. But uh, we call it that because it's the word that means fellowship. How any of you have been to a Koinonia retreat maybe before? Well, lots of you. There's also a version for teenagers called Footsteps. Anyone, any of you teenagers or anyone go through footsteps? All right, great. I went through footsteps as a young teenager. And um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.9, you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And that word fellowship is actually the word koinonia in the original language. That you were called into the koinonia of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And it means sharing together. It means sharing together with Jesus, sharing together with other believers who are, have the same common goal. And the scripture is clear that if we're going to make it to the end of our life, Still loving and trusting Jesus. If we're going to make it across the finish line, strong, into the kingdom of God, like Pam Bryant, if we're going to make it into that, then we need koinonia. We need perseverance. Mark 13, 13 says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. That perseverance comes through the fellowship of the saints. If we're going to make it to the end, we need each other. That's what the scripture says. I want to look at Hebrews where it talks about biblical community and perseverance. And it says in Hebrews 3, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of us has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So, this scripture literally says there's gonna be things that are gonna to try to get you off track. Like Pastor Don t- shared, there's gonna be storms of all kinds when you're here on earth physical storms, mental, emotional, spiritual, secret storms. There's gonna be storms, but how do we make sure that we can survive those storms? The scripture says, koinonia. How, how do you make sure your heart doesn't get hard? Koinonia, how does it make sure that, that sin doesn't overtake you? Someone grabs you by the shirt collar and says, what are you doing, man? <laughs> That's how it happens. Uh, sin's deceitfulness, hearts turned away from God, unbelief. Those are all things we see in Hebrews 13. And it says, make sure that the koinonia is, is looking out for each other and is making sure that we do not get stuck in these traps so that we can make it to the end. Christian friendships exist to say things that will keep each other believing. Small groups exist to say things that will keep each other believing. That's why we do all these things, because it will be difficult to make it to the end without getting distracted or snared or or fall or trip. But we can get there if we invest in this community, in this biblical community that God is saying. The enemy tries always to get us to believe that there are other things more preferable or more desirable than giving our lives to Christ. Even if you've served God for a very long time, sometimes it comes in in forms that you can kind of ignore. And maybe he, you know, the enemy can be very, very tricky. And the enemy wants us to make anything and everything more valuable than Jesus. But these are the thoughts that lead us to destruction, And the thing that biblical community should be saying to each other all the time is God is better. Christ is better. His way is better. Don't get distracted. Don't get hung up on that. You don't need that to make yourself have value. You don't need that to make yourself feel like in this world you've succeeded. God is better. Christ is better. His way is better. And the undertone of every conversation, the direction of every smaller group that meets together and the tone and the communication of worship always beats this drum that his word, his way, his future, his greatness, his friendship is better, better than anything and all things this world has to offer. That is what biblical community does. And when those voices are not very loud in our minds because we have not created a vehicle for us to be, hear those things, then we forget that. You know, I believe 90% of the time the conversations between Christians are not in a crisis of faith environment. You want Chipotle or Moe's? I don't know. Who has the free chips? You know, those are the conversations. Let's Let's go fellowship together. But... Every one of those exhortations counts for eternity. Because the truth is we are either weakening people's affections for God or we're strengthening them. We're either speaking life or speaking death. There is no neutral. We are either building up toward heaven or tearing down toward hell. We are either building the church in love, growing a community, becoming committed and captured, or we are drifting like a boat without an anchor. We get to choose. Every conversation matters. There are no meaningless moments. Life is is awesomely meaningful at every moment. So where do we go from here? I believe that we begin asking each other, how can I be for you? Let that be part of our conversation. How can I be for you? How can I help you? How can I be for you in this moment? How can I be for you? How can I continue to speak into your life what biblical community should say, that God is better, God is enough, don't leave him, be strong, God has you in his hand. It is, like we talked last week, there were so many words, don't quit now, don't quit now. Regina shared, go get your stuff. (laughs) Don't quit now because God is better. He is enough. He's never going to leave you. He is for you and with you so you can be for and with each other. And that model of biblical community allows the rest of, of the church, the rest of what we see in Acts 2, to spring up and to grow. We will persevere. We will not be shaken. But we need each other. But we need each other. Hebrews 3 that I read says, exhort one another, what does it say there? Every day. Every day. As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That scripture is saying, if we do not exhort one another, we will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you see that? So, the way that we will escape the deceitfulness of sin is if we exhort one another every day. Groups isn't just a system, it's not just a procedure that we're trying to implement. But we didn't have a system before, so we're putting in a system. It didn't come about because the staff sat in a room and thought we needed something to do, it is vital to our perseverance as believers. The pastors and the council and the people of this church want each of you to start this journey of God and finish it strong, to run across that finish line like you could go 10 more miles because we have exhorted you and encouraged you in biblical community so much that there's no chance you're quitting now. That is what our heart is. And so God formed us to be for others. And when we begin to communicate that to each other and take up each other's burdens and be for others, I believe that the Holy Spirit of God will be unstoppable in this community and in this city. Two of you are excited about that. You can work on it later. So at this time, I'm going to pray. And as a church community, we're all going to go down to the gym Now, some of you are going to be tempted to escape, all right? I know. So we bought cookies because we thought that that would at least get you there to eat a cookie. If you're a small group leader, you can go now and get yourself ready. There are some refreshments down there. But I do want to ask you, I do want to ask you, even just for a few minutes, I, we, we made sure service was in a good time today so that you could uh, spend some time down there. Even if you're already involved, you might say, I have my group, my group is good, I am all set. I want to encourage you to go down there and exhort other people every day to get involved in a group. To say that because I've been in a group I've really benefited. I felt like my relationship with God has been stronger. I've persevered. You should sign up too. Go down there and exhort each other. Maybe you might walk down there and say, okay, there's really no room in my schedule. That's okay. Just walk down there and eat a cookie and smile at me like you're pretending to look at it. But ask the Lord, God, where is it that biblical community can be alive in my life? Because I need it in order to finish strong. I need it so I can persevere in the faith. God is enough. His way is the best. Jesus is better. And the scripture says we have to have people telling us that almost every minute of every day if we want to survive the storms and the culture that we face. So let's do this together as a family. I want to remind you uh, to grab your kids at Inside Out or the nursery before you head to the gym. But let me pray, and then we'll all head down there. Father God, I thank you that you are for us. God, that you are with us. Lord, I thank you that you designed uh, this idea of community because you so desperately wanted us to be the image of who you are. God, you wanted us to show every person everywhere that you are for them and with them. And so God, I pray that we would begin to be people who look at one another and say, how can I be for you today? How can I be with you today? How can I be for you in this ordinary day? How can I be for you in this crisis? How can I uh, exude the presence of God by just being for you? God, I pray that today many people would find a connection into biblical community. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would do something amazing and powerful in this church, God, because we are ready and we want all of you that there is. And God, we don't want to shortchange you in any way. We want you to have full control, and we yield everything to you. God, we're trusting you. We want to be the church like Acts 2, who is captured by your awe, committed to your presence, Lord, and committed to one another. And Father God, that we are following hard after you, contagious in community. God, we trust you. We love you. I thank you for these people. I love them so much. And God, it's in your name I pray. Amen.